All right. Some of you enjoyed that too much. Hey, if you've got a Bible, you can open it to uh, Deuteronomy chapter 31. If you don't have a Bible, there's one probably in front of you, and if you're crammed into a pew, you might have to share it with somebody, but there's a blue Bible in front of you, and you can turn to page 164. Page 164, that's where Deuteronomy chapter 31 is. So page 164 in the Blue Bible. So this week, um, the training wheels fell off, and uh, (laughs) I had my last talk. I had my last sort of... um, real sort of sit down with Dave Wicks. And so for some of you who don't know what I'm talking about, um, for the last number of months, ever since September, we've been in a transition process here at the church. And um, the former senior pastor, Dave Wicks, and really just barely saying that, uh, and myself were, were working through this transition together and really talking. And he was training me and teaching me and helping me and guiding me and giving me pep talks. And it was wonderful. In fact, I would recommend that Churches should maybe think of doing this. Uh, I think it's a better, potentially a better model than what normally happens where you, a pastor leaves and then you look for a long time and then eventually you get another pastor. Uh, because there's been uh, some really great things I've learned from Dave in these last uh, number of months. And so we had our last sort of chat on Thursday. Not that it was our last chat because Dave is still going to be a part of this congregation. But he's going to be on the road encouraging pastors and churches all over Western Canada in the next couple uh, months. And we may not see him until April or May back here on a Sunday. So um, Thursday we had this really great chat and uh, he was telling me sort of some last things that he remembered that he, he should share with me and help me with. And uh, it was really good. You know, he was just sort of saying, okay, Steve, this, this thing is your responsibility. Make sure you've got to make the decisions in this area. And then it was like... As Dave is, you know, he's such an encourager. He kept saying things like, yeah, you can do this. You can do this, Steve. You're ready for this. You got the, you know, I just thought, this is so great. You know, he's just encouraging right to the very last moment. And it made me think of a transition that we're going to read about this morning. Transition between a senior leader and and a younger leader. And uh, and it was a significant leadership shift that happened. And... uh, And some of the things that were spoken into the life of the younger leader in this transition. And uh, I said it's not just a sermon about me. It's not really. It's really a sermon for you. Uh, But um, I preached it to myself the other night and already got encouraged. So hopefully it will encourage you as well. (laughs) So uh, Deuteronomy chapter 31, verses 1. It says, Then Moses went out and spoke these words to all Israel. I'm now 120 years old and I am no longer able to lead you. The Lord has said to me, you shall not cross the Jordan. The Lord your God himself will cross over ahead of you. He will destroy these nations before you, and you will take possession of their land. Joshua also will cross over ahead of you, as the Lord said. And the Lord will do to them what he did to Sion and Og, the kings of the Amorites, whom he destroyed along with their land. The Lord will deliver them to you, and you must do to them all that I have commanded you. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them, for the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the presence of all Israel, Be strong and courageous, 
For you must go with this people into the land that the Lord swore to their ancestors to give them, and you must divide it among them as an inheritance. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. So here we have Moses uh, speaking to the people, this be strong and courageous encouragement. And then we have Moses speaking to Joshua, the same encouragement, uh, be strong and courageous, or in the presence of the people, it's sort of given to all of them. Then if you just go over a few more pages, page 169, uh, we'll see what happens. We'll see the first moments of Joshua's uh, new leadership. Page 169, or Joshua chapter 1, verses 1. It says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I'll give you every place where you set your foot. As I promised Moses, your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. And keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So God says this three times to Joshua, and God doesn't, he isn't forgetful. God knows he said it three times. He says it three times, be strong and courageous. And then at the very end of the chapter, verse 16 to 18 of chapter 1, Joshua is giving the charge to the people, and he's giving a special sort of charge to two and a half tribes of Israel, who actually have already got their land allotment. They've already sort of conquered that area, and they really could be tempted to just stay home and uh, let the other tribes do their part. And Joshua speaks to them and says, you know, hey guys, you got to do your part in helping these guys. It's okay if the women and children and livestock, they all stay back, but the fighting men, they got to come. They got to come and help their brothers and cousins and all that stuff to gain their land as well. So after he gives them that spiel, they answer Joshua and they say, whatever you have commanded us, we will do. Wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we fully obeyed Moses, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your word and does not obey it, whatever they command, they will be put to, put to death. But here's the kicker. Only be strong and courageous. You think there's a message that God is trying to get to Joshua? You think there's sort of something he's just emphasizing here? Where does courage come from in the first place? Where does it come from? Today I'm going to talk about godly courage. I mean, I could talk about just courage as it is. Sometimes we just summon up some bravado within ourselves to take on a 
challenge. Sometimes we have friends around us that help give us the courage. Uh, sometimes we go to other things. Liquid courage is pretty common in our culture. We do things to give us courage so that we can accomplish stuff. But I want to talk about godly courage. Where does godly courage come from? And the first thing is I believe that godly courage comes from an assignment from God. It comes from, or also maybe you could say it comes with, an assignment from God. So there's, there's no such thing as godly courage apart from mission. If, if you don't have a mission to do, if there's nothing that you, no challenge for you to rise to, you don't need faith. You don't need courage. You don't need to be strong and courageous. You can be weak and timid because there's really nothing you need to do. But if you have a clear mission from God, if you have an assignment, if God's given you some sort of clarity of any sort in your life about what he wants you to do, and I know sometimes we think of big, overarching, massive missions from God that he's called me to this for the rest of my life and I'm going to rise up to this challenge. You know, God's word is a light on our path and it, I don't know if it's, you know, a light that shows us the whole path, but it shows us the next step, right? And so I think a lot of times that's how God leads us is God actually says, here's the next step. And sometimes we actually look at the next step and we go, I don't want to do that. I want to know 14 steps ahead. And God's like, seriously, you're not even going to do the first step. <laughs> I would say good advice would be if you, you want to walk in the will of God, walk in what he's most recently shown you. If you're still balking at that, if you're still disobedient in that area, you really shouldn't expect to get much more revelation of the road ahead. So come back to the last thing that he told you. What's the last thing God made clear that you were to do and maybe you didn't do? Come back to that thing. Maybe just ask God in prayer, okay, I haven't really sensed your leading for a long time. Can you refresh my mind, refresh my memory, something you told me to do that I, maybe I stopped at that point. Maybe I was stubborn and resistant. And Could you show me what that is again so I can get back on the right path? Courage comes from having an assignment from God. Of course, Joshua, we see he has an assignment to take the land, to lead the Israelites. It's a big assignment. He needs courage. But it's not that we don't have assignments either. We do. Ephesians 2, 8 to 10 talks a little bit about some of the things that God has assigned for us. And I I find this very fascinating. I'm going to read 8 to 10. I was just going to read 10, but I thought 8 was really helpful to give you a context For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So where does your work fit into your relationship to God? Well, the first thing we learn in those verses is it's not the basis on which you become right with God. You can't do a whole bunch of good works and then just present your report card to God and he's like, wow, straight A's. We're good. The last song we sang, nothing but the blood of Jesus spells it out. Really, the only thing that's going to make a person right with God is the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross for a person. And when a person comes to realize that, they come to believe in that as their only hope for salvation, their only hope to be made right with God, now there is where the work begins. 
In fact, that's something you could start today. Maybe, maybe you come in here today and you're like, okay, I'm just sort of checking out church or I've been checking things out for a while. You could start that Christian walk today. You could do that today. You be, could begin. But it begins in trusting in what Jesus has done for you, not in what you've done for yourself. That's how it, that's how it begins. So read those again. It's for, by grace you've been saved. Saved from the penalty and the, and the power of sin in our lives. that make, We make our lives all about ourselves. And in that way we become enslaved to selfish living. It's by grace we've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. So someone receives that gift of God and says, I could, God, Jesus, you did for me what I could never do for myself. You paid the penalty that I really owed. I should have paid, but I couldn't pay. That's grace. That's a gift. And I receive that gift. And, uh, I, uh, and, and then right away, it's just automatic. Since I'm now following you, since I'm now, I've given my life to you, since I'm now uh, right with you because of what you did on the cross, because your blood covers over my sin, now I'm going to start down this path. Start walking with you. And you know, it's interesting. The first thing it starts talking about is work. So work can't get you into that place of trust. and It takes trust and faith and believing in Christ and depending on him for what he did. But, it's, but sometimes people think that Christianity is passive. That there's no work required. Well, there's no work required to earn your salvation. In fact, the teachings of the Bible are against earning your salvation. But then it talks about the effort that comes from people who recognize who they are in Jesus, how he's changed their lives. And now, for them, it's like, oh, I'm God's handiwork. I'm created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for me to do. So yes, God has stuff for you to do. God has stuff for you to do. If today, you're like, want to skip that step. You say, oh, I'm just going to go do stuff for God. And you have never come to that point of humbling yourself before God and saying, I need you. I need your forgiveness for the things in my life, the, the ways I've just made life all about me. I need your forgiveness for that. And I need your leadership or else I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run off in the wrong direction again. That has to come first. When that has begun... When you submitted your life to God in that way, wow, it's time to get on mission. Not 10 years from now. Now. Begin. Today. Mission begins right away. So God, you were created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So this implies that we should step out in courageous obedience. The good works he's prepared beforehand, we should walk in them. So what are those things that God has prepared for you to do? Did you backtrack in your mind to that last thing that you had a sense? Again, I guess I'm assuming that many of you are followers of Jesus who've come across that, you've crossed that line of faith. You've, you've really given your life to God and now you're living for him. If you're there, what are the things that God's prepared for you to do? When did you last reassess what God was calling you to do? If this hasn't been a recent thing, and what are the things that, uh, one of the clues you can use is, what are the things that God has given you a passion for? If God's given you a passion for certain things and you can see it being used for him, uh, that might give you some helpful hints. What I would do is I would surrender that passion to him. I would say, okay, God, you've given me gifts, abilities, 
some life experiences. All these things could be helpful. I'm just going to surrender those things to you. I'm just going to give them over to you. Because our natural tendency is to use our gifts for ourselves, right? I use my abilities and my talents and my experience to get attention and, and to get position and to get prominence and to get money and to all those things. And, and, you know, some of those things are natural parts of life. But uh, when it comes to serving God, we, do the, we say, God, I lay all those things before you. Use me however you want. I want to go on mission for you. So it starts with an assignment from God. Obey the last thing God told you to do, and you'll probably find the next assignment waiting. Number two, courage comes from the assurance of God's presence. So God never calls us to do anything apart from him. From him. We talked about this last time I was uh, speaking here. Uh, two weeks ago, I, I um, shared a little bit about that, that sometimes we want to do something for God, but God's design is always that he wants to do stuff through us. Because when we do something for God, the only thing at work is our own power, our own skills and abilities, which, you know, you might have a substantial amount of that, but the reality is God wants to show you a whole different way of living. He wants to show you a whole different way of living where he empowers you to do things you couldn't do, things that are bigger than you, things that are beyond you, things that are tasks that um, you couldn't imagine doing. So sometimes, uh, like, it's sort of this dynamic where it's like, sometimes we come and pray and we say, God, this is um, um, my, my uh, task that I can do. Help me do that. But we're not praying big enough, right? Because we're just really thinking about my skills, my abilities, my talents, my resources, my networks, all those things. We're just thinking about what we have in our hand, and we say, God, so I figure that all adds up to this. But God wants to take us and say, you know what? You're doing your math wrong. You are not including me in the equation. And in this partnership, I will always be the bigger side of the equation. So when you come to pray, you need to ask for God to give you uh, a task that, max, that matches his power. Instead of power enough to do a task you could do already. That's where it Courage comes into play in this as well. Let me read you something. This is a bit of, might be a bit of a rabbit trail, but I, I found this fascinating. John Bloom wrote, he wrote a story, fictitious story, about the time of Joshua. And I thought it was cool, so I just, this is just an excerpt from his story. And it's a dad and a son, and the son's name is Levi, and the dad is Amittai. What do you remember most about Joshua? asked Levi. Amittai thought for a moment while he pulled some goat grass that had taken root near the tombstone, careful not to touch the grave itself. He was the most humble and the most courageous man I've ever known, replied Amittai. His humility made him ruthlessly honest about himself. I was amazed at how plainly he talked about his fears and sins, what most men try to hide from each other. Fears? I thought Joshua was fearless, said Levi, surprised. Well, he seemed fearless because he was so courageous, but he taught me a lesson about fear and courage that I've never forgotten. I'd only been with the army a few weeks, and I hadn't seen any real fighting yet. Six or seven of us untested warriors were sitting around a fire one evening, talking about the impending battle against Aphek. We were all blowing a lot of brave-sounding hot air because none of us wanted to look like a coward, 
though inside we're all plenty scared. Joshua overheard us and stepped into the firelight. We all jumped up, embarrassed. And he said, So, none of you young men are afraid to fight Aphek. We all glanced at each other and shook our heads, lying. Then he said, Well, you're all better men than I am. I frequently have to face down fear, even after all these years. Hearing this shook us a bit. We all believed Joshua feared nothing. I can still see him staring into the fire and saying, I'll tell you when fear hits me. When I see a strong king and his army arrayed against us, all those swift chariots and the forest of spears, the Lord's promises can just seem to drain out of my memory and I start thinking this battle is up to me to win. That's when the doubts attack. I can doubt my judgment. I can doubt our strategy, our organization, our timing, our numbers. I can doubt our weapons. I remember Moses and I can doubt my ability to lead. I can doubt the weather and our position. And at that point, fear becomes my most dangerous enemy. It's paralyzing. Then he looked up at us and said, That's why the Lord has had to tell me many times to be strong and courageous. He knows the fears I'm vulnerable to. And what I've learned is this. Be strong. It requires real strength to remember what the Lord has promised to do for us and to move my trust off of myself and back onto him. And be courageous. It requires courage to act on what his promises tell me and not what my doubting fears tell me. It takes strength, strength to trust the Lord and courage to obey him. And when he turned to leave, he said, you men, you men may not struggle like me, but someday it may help to remember that courage is often not in the, the absence of fear, but the conquering of it. You know, I had a similar experience uh, in my life. Uh, in yesterday, uh, I officiated a funeral here in town. And uh, when I say I officiated, I uh, actually just partnered with two really strong allies and just did a very small part. Uh, both Don Nordine and Hazel Rain did the heavy lifting, and I came along and put the pastoral cap on it all. And it was a wonderful experience of working in team, actually. It was really great. Uh, experience and it was um, yeah it was pretty wonderful um, now I've lost my train of thought um, courage <laughs> yeah we're talking about courage thank you give that guy a raise I don't know where you work but anyhow <laughs> that's right what's wrong with the rest of you anyhow um, <laughs> thank you Anyhow, I, I'm not going to be able to pull that in now, now that I've said that whole story, but, um, oh, come on. <laughs> there we go. Wow. Twice, you get twice, two, two more stars. All right. Oh, I'm going to just move on. Um, I, oh, yeah, funeral. Got it. Okay. <laughs> wow. So, the funeral reminded me of the death of my grandfather. When my grandfather died uh, 16 years ago, I was a newlywed, just married a few months, and uh, actually maybe just one month, and, uh, and that's when he died. And um, he was the patriarch in the family, strong man of God. Um, people from even from town who didn't go to church recognized that he was a godly man, and 
And he lived for God, and it was made no bones about it that he was, he, he had a photo studio, and the front of it said, in business, serving the Lord. <laughs> I don't think people usually do that, but anyhow, he did. He had made no bones about it that he was God's, and he was following him, and living for him, and in business for him, and all those things. Uh, so when he died, it was just sort of like this sense of, oh, you know, when you, if you've experienced, um, you know, a, a parent or a grandparent passing away, there is a weight that sort of comes a weight of responsibility, you know, you sort of sense that the barrier between you and eternity is sort of shrunk, and also the sense of uh, the loss of a, maybe a leader or a strong person in your life suddenly means that you have to take on more. Anyhow, I felt some of that, and I was, you know, I was a young guy, and I was feeling some of that, and um, thinking about how much um, my grandpa had been just a really solid, steady presence in my life and in the life of our family. But as I processed it over a few years, um, I, thought of, I thought also of a conversation I had with him. Because he's always seemed so strong. But when I went to visit him in the hospital a couple months before he uh, passed away, we had a conversation that was very strange. And I don't know if it was just end-of-the-life confessions or the pastor showed up, so that's why he could say these things. But he started to tell me about... Um, some of the decisions in his life that he second-guessed. Some of the moments where he felt like, I'm not sure I made the right choice here. I wonder how my life would have turned out if I'd chosen otherwise. This was strange to hear it coming out of his mouth. And uh, at first it was really discouraging to hear. Because when you hold someone in such high esteem, to have them sort of come down a few notches is sort of like, oh... But actually, as I processed it, it became a source of a great encouragement. The reality was that whenever you see someone in your life and they're a really strong leader or they're a strong person in your life or family or whatever, you, you, you often refer to them as, um, you know, your rock, the one you depend on. You know, they're, they're strong. But then when you see the human side of them, when you see that they have insecurities and fears and stuff like that, something happens inside of you. And it is, you go from going, wow, that great leader that I could never be like, to, oh, they're human, just like me. Same fears, same doubts, same insecurities. And yet, they managed to live a life that was worth living. That gives me hope that I could live a life like that because I know that they are frail, they're human, they're just dust like me. And so what at first was discouraging to me with my grandfather was ended up being very encouraging. And um, there's, a verse of, there's a, some verses of scripture. I, I read in, in uh, our, our staff as a sort of a listening prayer time at the beginning of our staff meetings and we, we read some scripture and then we just tried to listen to see what God was saying through those scriptures to us. And Anyhow, um, one of the phrases that really stood out to me when I was reading it. So it was actually in Psalm 42, but later on I went to Psalm 62, which talks about it again. I'm going to read out of Psalm 62. It says, Yes, my soul, find rest in God. My hope comes from Him. Truly, He is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in Him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to Him, for God is our refuge. Twice in this passage it says that God is our rock. 
At funerals, you often hear people say, oh, we're going to miss mom or dad because they were my rock. Uh, some of you have lost loved ones this year, especially in this church this year. We've lost a lot of people who could be described fairly well as rocks. Solid, dependable, strong, courageous. And yet God gives us this great, incredible hope. Once we realize that they are human, once we realize that their dependence was not on their own self-will or pulling themselves up by their bootstraps, their dependence was on God as their rock. Then suddenly our, our, our focus shifts from, man, I'm sure glad I have this really strong leader in my life, to, oh, they're gone. But we know that God wants to do a work inside of us to make us into strong leaders. When I was in college, I had a big, I was on a rant, complaining to a staff member of the, at the Bible college. I was in my second or third year, and I said, where are all the leaders we had? Like last year when I was in first year, there was great leaders on my dorm floor. Like uh, Rob and Monty were two of my, you know, leaders that I really looked to for, for help in those years. And I was like, these guys were incredible. And this is my second or third year, and I'm complaining to the staff member. I'm like, it's like there's no leaders left on this campus. Where are the leaders? Totally oblivious to the fact that when certain leaders move on, God raises up new leaders. And here I was whining and complaining that this Bible college had no leaders, and God is tapping me on the shoulder and going, hello, Steve, quit playing foosball and start praying. <laughs> the same dynamic is at work in, in our congregation as well. We've lost very significant leaders. I kind of think God's tapping a lot of people on shoulders right now. I kind of think that some of you have already felt it. You've already noticed it. That God's been saying, step up. See, God's not limited to only working with set people. God makes leaders out of the most unexpected people. Takes the foolish and confounds the wise. Takes the weak and blows the minds of the strong. I bet that there's some of you, you've already felt God tapping on the shoulder, that you felt that sense to rise up as a leader. If that's true, well, let me add to that. Be strong and courageous leader in the making. Respond to that call that God has given you. Courage grows, number three, as a result of focused determination. So God says three times in that one part, and of course, be strong and courageous was all through the scriptures we read, but in, in that one, uh, verses six, seven, and nine, he says three times, be strong and courageous to Joshua. And leadership is strengthened, or courage is strengthened by acts of obedience. If you act courageously, you'll gain more courage. Isn't that amazing? Courage comes by being courageous. You know when you took on something and it was scaring you half to death and yet you did it? And then afterwards you noticed something? A little bit more confidence? A little bit more 
resilience and endurance and strength and not, I could do that and something rising up within you? Courage comes by practicing courage. It's a result of focused determination. And God is with you, but he's only going to strengthen you when you raise your leg and put it forward. Right? The old adage is you can't, God doesn't steer a parked car. <laughs> or if you're a boat, for those of you who are boat lovers, the wind only blows when you put up the sail. It's amazing what happens. You have to obey God. You have to step out in obedience, and you'll notice that more courage will be added. It's a strengthening cycle that can, can grow you quickly as a leader. Number four, courage is anchored by the word of God. You'll notice in the exhortations to Joshua that um, there's several times where it talks about the, the book of the law, keeping it on your lips, let it not depart from your mouth in other translations. Um, the first thing is to proclaim the word. Proclaim the word. I did that last night. So again, I came home from the funeral and I was tired. And I actually didn't feel like editing my message. I just wanted to go to bed or watch TV, something that was just totally disengaging. So I had supper, thought about my options, and thought, man, I don't even know if I have it in me. I don't know if it's in me. Now, luckily, because I'd spent some time in the Word earlier in the week, I had a statement I could go back to, God is my rock. So I went back to it. Last night, I went back to it. I started preaching to myself. God's your rock, Steve. He's your rock. He's your rock. This isn't about your ability, your strength, or your tiredness. This is about God, who is the rock, wants to accomplish something, wants to get it done, and calls you to be strong and courageous in your tiredness. So I told you, I preached to myself. Had an altar call by myself. <laughs> Prayed for myself. It's a great church service last night. Wish you were there. So I proclaimed the word. I, didn't let, I let it be on my lips. I let it not depart from my mouth. I said it several times in my empty house. My family's away for the weekend. So in my empty house where it just echoes to nobody else but myself, I said, God, you're my rock. This is not about Steve's, what he brings to the table. This is about what you bring to the table. You're the rock. I, you know what my temptation is? I want to be the rock. I want to be the rock. That only gets me in trouble. Only gets me in trouble. When I get going in my own steam and my own whatever, it leads to bad things. But when God is my rock, it usually leads to incredible stuff. So I claimed that lies. I spoke it from my mouth. I let it be on my lips like, God, like Joshua was told to let the book of the law be on your lips. And the only way it was on my lips is because, like Joshua, God was, he was told to meditate on it day and night. Because I'd had some time to meditate on the word, I actually had something to come out of my mouth. So it's one thing to say, just speak the word of God. Sometimes you're in that moment and you're going, what? What word of God? Well, if you've been meditating on the word of God, and I've been hanging on to that all week, God, you're my rock, you're my rock. I didn't know it would show up in the sermon. It wasn't for a sermon that I meditated on it, but it was there in that moment. So you need to meditate on the word so you'll have something to speak. And finally, 
do all that is written in it. You want the courage to really rise up in you that comes from speaking the word and meditating on the word while obeying the word is really essential as well. So I want to end our time together here today with a little bit of an exercise. Last week, you guys just blessed me beyond what I deserve with that time of prayer uh, for me, and uh, incredible, incredible. I got the words that, you know, I think, Bart, you helped put that together, that, the words of that prayer that you had for a congregation for me. Um, I want to do something similar for you today, uh, but we'll do it together, just not me. Uh, we'll do it together. And um, I want to take Joshua 1, 7 to 9. So can we get that up there, Joshua 1, 7 to 9? I think that must be about the last slide. Yeah, or it's, uh, it'll be a couple slides. I know I think it's a good thing to speak over each other. I think it's a good thing to speak over each other as leaders. Uh, last week I got commissioned and blessed and wonderful. I hope that for today you'll have a similar experience. So what we're going to do is we're going to we're going to uh, we're going to divide the church into half. So I'm going to probably just you guys can I'll just say this is halfway and you can pick which side you're on. It doesn't even matter. You if you like this side better, go there. Whatever. Um, but we want to have sort of half and half. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to get half of you guys to speak this, the challenge from verses 7 to 9 in Joshua chapter 1 over this side of the church. So your job will be to read it together and to declare it over this side of the church. And your job on this side of the church, your job is to receive it. Receive it. Open up your heart and receive it. For the mission that God's given you, for the tasks that he's called you to, to the simple, small obedience that he's reminding you of, receive it. I know this is being spoken over all of you, but I'm actually going to ask you to receive it as an individual. Maybe you want to close your eyes. Maybe you just want to let the words flow over you as you really receive it as from the Lord. And then after that, We'll, we'll flip back. But let me talk to you guys first. This half. So you're going to be the first to bless. Isn't that wonderful? You're taking the initiative. Going ahead. Yeah. What great leaders. Awesome. Do you see anyone over there that you think you'd really like to just have that blessing poured out on? You're going to speak these words over them. You, you see someone over there? I want you to think about someone over there. Maybe you don't know anyone on that side. Ask God to lead you to somebody to really speak it over them. You don't have to go after the service and tell them, hey, I spoke that over you. If you want to, you can. That's totally cool. But I want you to be intentional about this. You're going to bless somebody. Pick your target. (laughs) Okay? So we'll do this together. In this side of the room, you guys can just be quiet and just receive this as we speak these words over your life for the mission, for the things, for the obedience that God has called you to. Okay? All right, you guys ready to go? So let's just read it together. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night 
so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Did you receive it? Some of you, you thought of specific things, didn't you? Where you need to be strong. We need to rise up with the appropriate amount of godly courage. Don't be afraid. Don't shrink back. Conquer the fear in that area and step forward in obedience. Okay, now we're going to bless these guys. So I want you to look over there. What a fine-looking bunch that other half is, eh? Yeah. You know, you're good-looking too, just in case. You know, if I, they're, they're good-looking, eh? And you just look over at them. and I, These guys are ready to receive. Aren't you? You ready to receive? Yeah. So we're going to just speak over them these same words. And all you have to do is receive it. Receive it as from the Lord. The same heart, the same God who spoke these words to Joshua because he wanted to see him thrive and do well in the, in the mission that he'd given him. He has a heart for you the same way today. He has plans for you to prosper, to do well. To serve him in ways that you've maybe never done before. So receive this scripture spoken over you as from the Lord. All right, you guys picked out someone? You picked out someone you really want to focus this in on? Ask the Lord that they be blessed. Good? You see? You got your target? All right. Let's do it together. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Worship team, I'm going to invite you to come back. Let's stand together, and I want to just, I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. We've prayed for each other. Let's just say amen to what God has already said. Lord, we thank you. We thank you today that you are calling us to godly courage. You're not calling us to shrink back. You're not calling us to, to, uh, to do the wrong math equation. Sometimes we look at what's against us, we add that up. Sometimes we look at our resources, we add that up, and then we fail to rise with courage. Let us fix our eyes on you. Let us fix our eyes on you. You're the author and perfecter of our faith. You're the one who, who for the joy set before you, you endured the cross. You scorned its shame. You sat down at the right hand of the throne of, the Lord, of God. Lord, we look to you. We look to you. We're followers of you, so we should be looking at you as you step forward. 
Thank you for the ways that you initiate in our lives. Thank you for the, the small obediences you call to, I'll call us to that lead to more. And Lord, I just pray that you'd help us to walk in that today. Not to hear your word and walk away or let it be lost or choked out. But instead to hang on to your word and to apply it in our lives. We ask that in your name. Amen. This morning, we've